Welcome to Azure Ability, a podcast for everyone interested in the art and science of developing solutions for the Microsoft Azure platform. Each show brings insight from the folks who know Azure best, including the cloud solution architects who help Microsoft's leading clients devise the most innovative and interesting solutions on the planet, as well as the engineers and program managers who build Azure itself. Listen in and you'll be sure to speed your journey into the cloud. And now your host, Lewis Berman. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Azure Ability. I'm very happy today to have as my guest a gentleman named Andre Magni. Andre is a cloud solution architect manager, and Monday, I think, you become my manager. Is that right? That's right, Lewis. So, first of all, thank you so much for having me. Oh, I'm, yeah. I'm super excited to be on this talk today. And of course, the important thing about this talk is since Andre is going to be my manager, I'm going to try, as opposed to with every other guest, to not piss him off intensely. Yeah, that's so, a good idea. Yeah. That's you know, actually a good point. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it'll work. You know, I, I don't have a lot of skills in that area. But anyway, we're here to talk all sorts of things around AI and the data state, but mostly AI. Andre is a specialist in that. He actually literally is going to become my manager, which is a little odd. You were my manager for about a week or two, about a year ago. It was like a blip. So I missed you. I missed you. You're finally here, man. So Louis and I worked together before on several customers. And due to some transitions at Microsoft, I became his manager for... I think it was a month and then there was another reorg and then Louis went away with another manager for a year and a half. Uh, I was cheating on you, man. I I know. (laughs) It was for almost two years and now we are back. Well, this is very cool. We're going to talk about, like I said, all things AI and data state. But the most important thing that I want to talk to is dogs. So Andre (laughs) has dogs, but you know, that makes that sound like he just has dogs, right? It's with small D. We we should use a big D. Uh, You're right. You're right there. So your dogs, and I don't know their names because you never refer to them as anything except the younger one and the The older older one. one. Yes, exactly. Uh, the older one was a big competitive dog. We'll have you explain what that means. And the younger one is a bigger one. And so here's my introduction to the dogs. Before <laughs> I met them actually in person, Andre had this video of one of the dogs. Was it the old, probably the older one, right? It was the older one. Running. <laughs> the older one, it is chasing a bag. A plastic bag. Plastic oh. bag yeah. around a, a loop of, what's it called? So the sport is an AKC American Candle Club ported sport called Lurie Coursing. L- Lurie, L-U-R-E, Coursing. Okay, so I have precisely now as much info as I had previously. That doesn't okay, mean good. anything to me. Okay, so the idea behind is to allow the dogs to do what they were bred to do from the times they were free and starting to interact with humans, which is chase prey. So this sport allows them to actually exercise and have fun chasing plastic uh- bags instead of... <laughs> live prey. So that would not go well, as you all can understand. So basically, we tie plastic bags to a string. And through a systems of pulleys and engine, we pull that but string. It's not just a string. It's like yards and yards. It's like hundreds of yards away, right? Yeah. So usually the competition is around a thousand yards. <laughs> So they run for quite a bit. (laughs) I love this video. We're going to have to link in the description all sorts of info about your dogs. About the dogs, yeah. If it only stopped there, 
it be something, but what do you do with the dogs, particularly on weekends? And what has caused you to purchase a vehicle of some sort yeah. for the dogs? So my wife and I, we engage in multiple activities with the dogs. We have two pharaoh hounds. So it's an old Egyptian breed, like the old pharaohs. That is the drawing that you see on most of the pyramids. They look like a sphinx. They do like, yeah. They are a very primitive breed and... What they were bred to do, like I was saying before, is to chase rabbits. So they are fantastic runners and they are sight hounds. They basically chase everything they see. So this breed is engaged in multiple activities. One of them is, of course, lurie coursing, where they do extremely well. My younger dog, like Louis says, I refer to them as older one and younger one. The younger one actually was the national champion for 2016 in US. So like... Is more or less like winning the Super Bowl for dog on lurie coursing, which was very excited for all of us. We also do agility with both of them. Well, when I say we do, let me explain that. My wife does, and I drive them around. I make sure that I get them to the right places at the right times. I'm supporting my wife, and she does a phenomenal job. It is always a pleasure to see her running with our dogs, and they do well. They do very well, actually, for feral hounds, and they were on top three competitors for feral hounds in US. And now you understand why I have the RV. So I, as part of my duties is to make sure that they get to the right places at the right time. So you, you don't and just like really big vehicles that use up all of your parking space in your house? So actually the RV is parked on my driveway right it now. It seems like it fills the entire driveway. No, it doesn't. Well, we we have we're going to have to get back to this, but... We, we're actually assembled here to talk about all sorts of things and particularly AI. So let's start with you. You've been doing like AI and machine learning for, for like ever. You're from Brazil. And the very first thing I learned about you had the word AI and dead bodies in it. Yeah, so why don't you tell story. me what that means? It's not a pleasant story, but it's an interesting story. It's an interesting story. So my experience with machine learning and AI actually dates back to 1994. 1995. That's actually when I started with those subjects. And at that point in time, there were no frameworks, nothing. I had to write everything in C. So all these different algorithms that people use today, yeah, I know them because I wrote them in C once. But the story Lewis is referring to, and thank you so much for reminding me of that story. So That is what I am here for. You oh, know. I know. I know. So one of the projects that I participated a long time ago was to help identify actually skulls. So how do you map skulls of people to pictures to help identification? This is when DNA was actually very expensive today. Of course, with DNA technology, people will just try to identify using DNA. And, but, and to be clear, this isn't just looking at skulls. This is a machine learning oh, computer yeah, yeah. science thing. We're going to bring it around to Azure and AI, I swear. <laughs> yeah, we should get there eventually. And maybe that's how we go. So one thing that is interesting, at least for me, people usually ask. So Andre, if you have done that 20 something years ago, why we are talking about this now and not 10 years ago, for example, or 15 years ago. So what actually happened? So one of the explanations that we have is based on three elements. One is we have a lot more compute power now than what we had 20 years ago. And it's not just a little bit, a lot more. It's many orders of magnitude, right? Exactly. And that many, was needed, many right? 
Yeah, and that was actually very much needed. So when you think about building models and building machine learning capabilities, there is a substantial amount of computer power that you need to have to make it happen. And actually, cloud makes it easier. The other element is we have more data. We just have a lot more data now. If you think about how people generate data by using technology, by just doing things, it's outstanding. And that data helps us build better models, help us build better systems. Is this the canonical million pictures of cats versus dogs? <laughs> yeah, let's go. To, let's not <laughs> yeah, go there to dogs and cats uh, again. Oh, oh okay. Yeah, yes, so, yes. Uh, so, and there is another component, right, that we need to address, which is over this 20-something years, yes, a lot of the improvements on algorithms actually took place. So. Just to keep in mind, it's 20 years of a lot of people doing research and actually building better models, building better algorithms. So that's why we see so much more people talking about this now than actually 20 years ago. I'm impressed with it. It used to be not approachable by the likes of me, right? It is, it's still not 100% by the likes of me, right? It is, there's, there's different levels, right? Uh, I think you talk about AI enthusiasts versus AI. Or data scientists. Core data scientists and uh, probably AI moms, you know? My mom will eventually (laughs) become an AI mom, although it might take a step. Your mom, like all the other ones, are probably... Like everybody else, is probably a big user of AI, right? Well, you know, she lives, she breathes, she's part of society. She banks, for instance. So here we go. So money she is has, not stolen from her. So there, there you have it. You have AI. And I think uh, it's very interesting to think about also, because AI is becoming so pervasive across all the different businesses and what people do, it's important to think about how organizations like Microsoft are thinking about AI and how helping people to understand AI and to understand the implications of AI into people's lives. So I will actually quote here our mission on AI, which is to amplify human ingenuity with intelligent technology. Lord knows I need amplification. What? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So anyway. That's great. so, So the idea behind is actually... AI is not here to replace, but to augment, to amplify, to make things easier for everybody, to expand that ingenuity. And let's go back to the example that Louis was saying. Well, my mom does banking. Yes. And behind those transactions, there are dozens of algorithms that are looking for ways to identify transactions that are fraudulent. How do you understand the behaviors of a consumer to understand that that transaction was not part of their behavior? So all of this is machine learning. So even when you go to a browse and go to now Microsoft Bank and say, I want to search for something, just on that results page, to build that results page, there are dozens of algorithms to bring you information that you were looking for. What are the most popular links that people usually go to once they search for those topics? What are, to be very transparent, what are the advertisements that we bring that might be helpful and aligned to your search? What are the order in which the content is presented? So 
all of this is embedded and infused with AI, right? So AI is on everybody's lives today. It seems everywhere lately. It, and it particularly does. in Azure, right? You know, so, so Microsoft is a platform company and Azure is a platform for building stuff. So literally Azure has hundreds of mainline services and there are things like hosting websites or doing databases and stuff or uh, doing secure networking. Seems like literally every place I look, Azure and AI are starting to become synonyms, right? Yes, and even on how we develop our products, how we develop new capabilities into everything. So I can stay here and give hundreds of different examples of how AI is being used. But one of the examples that I use the most is actually recommendations on people that I should interact based on my previous interactions on Teams and who are... uh, and hey, you're looking for this subject. These are the people that have been working with this and people that you might want to reach out to. So just to make your job better and finding the information and finding, connecting the dots and connecting information with the, with you and you with information, this is fantastic. I, this is a subject that I'm very passionate about. And really, I'm super, super excited. Microsoft MakeCode brings computer science to life with fun projects, immediate results, and both block and text editors for learners at different levels. With MakeCode, students can build a cardboard air guitar, a magic wand, a milk carton robot, or play with MakeCode Arcade, a retro 80s game development platform. Even make it rain chickens in Minecraft. Visit MakeCode.com to get started. So how does one get started, particularly in an Azure sort of sense? I don't, you know, it, it's this blur of functionality. I've taken these these sort of uh, high-level things, which have left me a little bit more confused, you know, pillars, as it were. How does I get started? You know, that's a great question. And I think that is a question that everybody has. So we see all this, but then there is a little bit of, okay, that's great, but how do I start? So... There are actually multiple ways and really depends on your comfort level and what you like to do. So one easy way to do it is use what already exists. So if you are a developer and you say, hey, I was trying to add additional capabilities. I'm trying to add, for example, vision or speech or even a bot. How do I build a bot, right? So how do I add that ingenuity or how do I add that capability? So within Azure, we actually develop a collection of APIs and frameworks to allow developers to quickly integrate AI capabilities without being a data scientist. So I will give a simple example that we have a lot recently is on building a bot building an intelligent agent to interact, to help people find information more quickly or to find details about insurance more quickly. So we have developed a bot framework that allows developers to build their solution, to build their application using the framework and adding API calls to Vision. So quick example, Using the insurance model, let's say I want to build a bot to help people give quotes on insurances, for example. One way that we can quickly understand what 
we are going to ensure is taking pictures of the vehicle. For example, it's a car. So let's take a few pictures, upload. But then how do we identify if there is any dents on the vehicle? How do we identify if there is anything scratched or something? So these APIs can actually help you as a developer identify if A, it's a car, B, if there are any scratch or dents or something that you need to be aware. So that is a quick, easy way to get in. Now, going a little bit beyond that, let's suppose that you are actually a data enthusiast and you want to do more. And I call data enthusiasts that people that really want to do data but might not have all the background on statistics and all the different mathematical side to go to a data science, but they want to do things. So on that front, you can customize these APIs. And I again, custom vision API is another great example where one could bring additional pictures and train the model to specific capabilities, specific elements that they want to recognize on that image. So we have several customers that leverage that instead of building everything from scratch, which might take longer and reduce the time to value. Using this, they get value very quickly and it does not require extensive knowledge of machine learning or AI. We have other capabilities as well and even people don't realize but how much value they can just get by visualizing the data, which is an important component on this category of data enthusiasts. A lot can be extract, a lot of information can be extracted from data just by looking at it, visualizing and finding different ways to slice and dice that data so you can see it from different angles. So take this to your heart and think about I like to do more and start there. Start with visualization. Start yeah. visualizing data. It's been a crazy year for AI too. So I'll, I can tell you what my favorite Azure service AI service is. Oh, good. Well, well actually, I want to start with, with another one. So when this podcast gets released, this is a year where Microsoft is working very hard to make things more accessible. Accessibility is sort of a watchword here. So we have a thing called videoindexer.ai. Oh yeah, that's a fun. So it literally, I put in, and I would encourage you to look at the transcript of this podcast, which will have been generated automatically or maybe automagically, it feels. It's like yeah, literally, it's like I, just, I just use the thing. So I'm very, very happy about it. And so the thing that is most important for my clients right now, Andre will be interested in this because of course he's going to be my manager, is everyone is top of mind is security. And so we're starting to infuse our products with AI capabilities, Security Center being the most obvious one. So the classic example is Security Center using AI capabilities can say, you know, I've looked at a particular user's patterns of usage. So he's over there, he's over here, what have you. But suddenly I noticed this HR person, let's say, is using his account on a production system. That's something to be noticed. And that happens through AI looking at logs. So... It's everywhere. And, it is. And, and I, I'm, I'm not even an enthusiast. I am just starting to become an enthusiast. I'm just really amazed by it. And of course, if you are on that edge of data science and you really want to 
build algorithms and do research and customize things. Of course, Azure has a, a good amount of capabilities to allow one to go there and do it. We have Azure Machine Learning Services, for example, where data scientists really can explore a very good amount of algorithms and explore frameworks and build different things and go mm-hmm. deep, really, really deep now with exploring that data and building very complex and complicated models for the problems they are solving. For data scientists, for example, you can really leverage Azure Machine Learning Services and go deeper into building models. And it's not just coding, right? It's like visual. You have tools that make this really easy to approach, right? And the key important element, Louis, that you said, visuals, this is, again, very important. But the other element is, how do you move that model that you build from the experimentation phase into the operationalization. How do you actually embed that into now the processes and how people interact? So that is another component that Azure Machine Learning Services is doing well today is, for example, you can put your model into a container and deploy that everywhere. And I've heard something about the edge, right? You you know, this is starting to go down to IoT devices. And you spot on. Internet of things for people who don't know acronyms. No, you're spot on. And that's a very good point because as you think about uh, these capabilities, they need to be closer to people interacting with the information. And why is that? And not away from the cloud. Why is that? Is because that's where you have the data. That's where the info, oh. that's where the experiences take place. That's where you as a user is experiencing the capabilities and not sending data to the cloud, waiting to come back and doing things. So a lot of the a lot of the information, a lot of capabilities must be around the user. And this is one area that I think uh, we are making a lot of progress in Microsoft, which is bringing the information and bringing the capabilities to the users where they are, not having users going where the capabilities are. It's actually bringing. So what you said about the edge is actually a great point. And the more we talk to customers, the more we talk to people, the more we see what they are looking for is not actually machine learning or AI. Nobody comes and say, hey, I want an AI model or machine learning model or I want something today. What they really want is to improve user experience. Got it. Improve how that user in his or her job do stuff, get things done. Mm -hmm. And from other lines of business, how people interact with the world and vicinities around. So I think that is the key component of when people say edge capabilities is not a cool term. It's actually put the user front center to this. And this is where the user should be, right? So they are the ones that ultimately are experiencing these capabilities or visualizations or data or capabilities, right? Hi, my name is Gretchen Huebner and I'm a founder of Codable. Did you know that kids who are introduced to programming early on are more likely to pursue it when they get to college? Codable is an introduction to programming used in over half of U.S. elementary schools. I started Codable because when I was in high school, I had the chance to take a programming class, but I didn't take it because I would have been the only girl. I wanted to give kids the chance to decide if programming is something that they're interested in before they get to high school. Help your kids learn to code. Get started at Codable.com. 
That's Codable with a K for kids. So we're starting to get towards the end of things. So I want to ask you two questions, and I'm going to ask you a few questions about you again, too, because I'm really interested in Andre. Okay. Uh, I am definitely not as his forthcoming new employee sucking up to him. Don't think that for a second, dear listener. AI isn't perfect, right? There are pitfalls. No. There are problems. There are... Louis, great question. So I think there are many. One of the biggest misconceptions I believe that people have about AI or machine learning is, oh, I have some data. I sprinkle machine learning on top of it and magic happens at the other end. That's not what we do. That's not how it happens. And when we have conversations with our customers and we engage on projects, I would like to have you guys thinking about this for a minute, which is just by bringing the data together, by starting visualizing the data, because all of these are needed for a good model, for a good machine learning model. So by bringing the different data sets together, by start correlating the data, by start visualizing the data, the amount of information and the amount of insights that one would get is outstanding. Don't jump ahead. Spend the time there. So this is the biggest, uh, one of the biggest pitfall on, on this space is not having the right data or jumping too quickly to through machine learning on top of numbers because at, that, at the end of the day, uh, th- they are these things are algorithms. So you put data in, data will come out. And I will quote one of our leaders here at Microsoft, Judson Altoff, because and he says, and is actually I love his statement, which is having machine learning on the wrong data just makes one take faster decisions, but the wrong ones. <laughs> yeah. So think about that. By able to accelerate the decisions based on wrong premises, actually, you are accelerating bad decisions. So don't do it. Take the time. Analyze that. So that is, uh, I think, that if I had to take one, that would be the biggest one. Take the time to understand the data. Cool. So where do I learn about this, by the, the way? I mean, it is, I assume we have information about this all over Microsoft, right? Oh, yes. So Microsoft is actually investing quite a bit on education and learning. So not only we have a collection of videos and documentation and presentations, we are actually also releasing learning paths where one could go step by step and learn. We have certifications around it. And of course, docs.azure.com is a great place to go. Cool. You have actually a lot of demos that you can download and Try yourself. There's a lot of free API time for you or try it out. Because at the end of the day, that's the best way to learn is try and failing and going again and then making a big hit and keep going. So, And if I may make a plug for this, so this is definitely not my area. You know, I'm more of an app dev sort of guy, but I've taken now a number of hands-on labs and, and stuff, and that has been very, very, very helpful for us. So let's just roll back the clock and bring this thing home. So you've been in the country, you're from Brazil, you used yeah, to work for Olivetti, is that right? Isn't that an Italian company? Yeah, I used to work for Olivetti, which is an Italian company. And yes, I, but but you ended up here, and of course, the number one place, you, you went to that great metropolis. Where did you end up? In so, America, yeah. for starters. So when I left Brazil, I left Sao Paulo. I moved to U.S. 13. Beautiful Sao Paulo. Yes, beautiful. 
very gray. So I left Sao Paulo 13 years ago. I went to South Bend, Indiana, which actually was very welcoming. They took me and basically helped me tremendously. So uh, if there's somebody from South Bend or Indiana, thank you so much for having me. Thank, no, seriously, thank you so much for having me. It was yes. a great experience and it so, was a great way to, I have to, to come to America. I have to interrupt Andre right here because Andre has a signature line and I think if you need to know Andre, you just need to know what his signature line is and he just demonstrated that he's not speaking to these people in South Bend but he still makes sure that, that he thinks nicely of them. So what, no, is, what is life, Andre? So what I usually say is life is good I never said life is easy, but life is good. Yeah, yeah. And so I, I think you'd be hard-pressed to meet a less friendly person. He, I mean, he is like so friendly and welcoming to people. So, of course, of course you would love your people in South Bend, Indiana. And you no, they're great up, people. You ended up somewhere around here. I'm, I'm, so we're in Pennsylvania. You live in, do you live actually in Exton or are you on the border? I live in Downingtown. Downingtown. So... I don't know anything clever to say about Downingtown except it contains Andre Magny. So Downingtown is actually a great place to live. It's very close to Philly. It's close to actually Microsoft in Malvern. So that's another good thing. They, I have great neighbors. They are super friendly. And they don't think it's odd that he has this great big RV for dogs. No, they and, don't. Uh, and before that, I think you still have the, you had a great, big SUV with cages for dogs that no, used I still to take hope, them. I still do that. Absolutely. I, I still have it. Everywhere. Well, Andre is a friendly guy and people like Andre and other people in our AI community at Microsoft are here to help. We're going to create all sorts of show notes. I'd encourage you to look at them and learn some more. As Andre said, put your hands on it, but be cautious, you know. I had no idea that Judson said that very, very wise sort of thing. Fast decisions on bad data. <laughs> That's going to be idea. a really bad, bad thing. Not a good idea. So take your time understanding where the data and the premises are before taking decisions. It could have a very negative effect if you're not careful. Well, cool. We're going to end it here. Thank you so much for Thank my you, Louis. guest. Thanks for having me. Andre Magni, my soon-to-be manager at Cloud Solutions Architect. And keep your head in the Azure cloud. Thanks. Thank you. You've been listening to Azure Ability, a podcast for everyone interested in the art and science of developing solutions for the Microsoft Azure platform. Be sure to visit our website, azureability.com, for show notes, helpful links, and other episodes. We'd also love to receive your questions and comments. On behalf of your host, Louis Berman, and the many friends of the podcast, thanks for listening.